Boo Williams. Boo Corrigan. The, uh, even, if, the, even if the whole process wasn't such a mess, it would have just no, been like, oh yeah, let's drag Boo, Boo Corrigan, Williams right? Up there. Boo Williams is yeah, the guy Boo that used to Corrigan. Sorry, Corrigan. He used yeah, to yeah. run that uh, that basketball camp, yeah. right? <laughs> I mixed up my I mixed my up booze. my shady booze. You know, Jason Jason often mixes up his booze. Am I right? What we do here is go back, 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 back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel Route Podcast. This is mildly legitimate conversation amongst friends and lovers about college football and lifestyle. You can find us on the internet, the World Wide Web, at www.thewheelroute.com. You can send us emails to wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. We will read them. We will respond in a somewhat timely fashion. <clears throat> you can get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Google Podcast Center, no longer Stitcher. Once again, rest in peace. Uh, we're also on Instagram occasionally at wheel route podcast. That's more of a, that's more of an avenue just for DMS. The content isn't exactly popping off there, but we did have, we did have a tweet this week, this week. So shout out to the, the Twitter machine back at it. Love to see that. Um, my, just in time, just in time for championship weekend. This is, this is good stuff. We're back, baby. Uh, my name is Logan Whitehouse though. I'm on Twitter. Also, speaking of the devil, at Logwan the Dawn, coming to you guys live from uh, lovely Stewart, Florida. We had a a warm weekend here, 85, 86 today. Pretty hot, pretty hot, a little muggy. Did go for a lovely walk this afternoon. Shook, shake the legs out, dragged the dragged the spawn around in the uh, in the red wagon. Probably got eaten by a lot of bugs. Um, but yeah, that's good. Solid weekend around here. Who else is here? My name is Jordan Shank. I am in Harrisonburg, Virginia where it was also warmer than it has been um, in the 60s, both days, I believe, which was a nice reprieve from the winter cold we had been experiencing. Uh, I'm on Twitter.com, at Shank Jordan. Another Costco update for, for those wondering. Uh, yes. I got an email this afternoon from one of the kind of deals sites that I... I sometimes frequent as a frugal boy. Um, Your frugal boy homepages. Ladies and gentlemen, Costco members can get a 12-pound A5-grade Japanese Wagyu boneless ribeye roast for the low, low price of $850 at Costco. And it comes with free shipping. So. <laughs> that's good. That, that, I'm, glad that. That's, that. I'm glad they threw that in. That's, yeah. Have you been able to check what the market like typical rate is for that, or do they have? Like, I haven't a looked, but I comp? think I think Costco price is pretty close to market sure. rate. Um, yeah. This eight fifty price is allegedly two hundred and fifty dollars off. So, well, just I want to you know, yeah. get one have of those you... big boys for a big family rib roast at Christmas, and uh, just have everybody slumped after after. <laughs> mid-afternoon meal hit the venmo request mid-nap afterwards everybody needs so owes you Japanese fat coursing through your veins 175 I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even know how to cook that like as a roast like yeah. I, you, all the videos you always see are like you, people cut the wagyu pretty thin and then you just like sear it real quick and eat it so i'm I sure guess some just instagram people cook it the ideas. same but oh, yeah. that is I, a high I, leverage I situation though you, you need to make That's, sure your grill is ready to yeah. rock terrifying you are going to be following be, the directions 
I get nervous like cooking like a pork butt and stuff that cost me like fourteen dollars at the store. I can't imagine what I would do cooking yeah. that thing. So um there was another question that I was gonna ask Jordan, but I uh it slipped my mind. If it comes back up, I'll I'll circle back around. Yeah, that's fine. Sounds good. In the meantime, my name is Jason Frick. Uh I am also in the great city of Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh where yeah, it was uh, very warm this weekend. Um little out of season but made for uh, a delightful afternoon uh on saturday at the the downtown holiday sip and stroll um <laughs> love that prior to the harrisonburg's been doing a lot of these lately they like sip and you stroll. literally can so you can that. buy a wristband for three dollars and basically all of downtown is just like open container you can just you can buy your, your way out of an open container uh go for places yeah for, for three short dollars you can skirt the law and <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's great. You, you like go to Pale Fire, and I got I got a smoking Scottish, just like my Harrisonburg dream. And no way, I would never stroll up to the. Yeah, I know it was super out of character for me. Um, you, you know, stroll up to Main Street, and try new like things, backgrounds, and whatnot. That's really good. <laughs> Listen, I try plenty of new things, just not at Pale Fire when they have smoking Scottish. Just not at Sip and Stroll. I, I mean, to be fair, with what I know. Yeah, to be fair, yeah. having sampled around the menu at Pale Fire, smoking Scottish is a pretty good choice. Yeah, I think it's I think it's high on the list. I I like Pale Fire more than most people, but I fully admit that they do not uh, the depth causes yeah. concern. Sure. So, Lovely anyways. setting though. I like it in there. It's a good hang. Yeah. Uh, great vibes. Location great. is their strength. Yes. Yeah. More so than offering. Every time I've been in there, and maybe because I only go in there on like random, like I'm in town. Can someone get a beer at yeah. two in the afternoon on like a weekday time times? Like there's always yeah. somebody redecorating that wall uh, that's next yeah. to the like next to the fireplace. I, I've always been curious why. So I, I swear it's been like the last three times I've been in there. There's been like heavy redecor we, uh, going on, and maybe it's because I'm always there like right before the holidays and people are putting up holiday decorations. So. <laughs> the timing is pretty right. pretty uh, circumspect for that, but. Um... I also I I let the owners know when you're coming. That's why. Oh, thank you. It's like oh, we gotta we gotta clean up. So very good. You guys yeah. drinking anything this evening? Speaking of pale fire, uh, I have chosen once again to murder my thirst with a liquid death. Did you score that on a deal at the Costco? No, not at the Costco. Oh, okay. This was some some singles on sale at Kroger. Nice. So. Liquid um, you're not you're not boycotting the LD on behalf of Mr. Palmer. No. All right, fair enough. What happened? Am I the Mr. only one that knows what happened there? Well, I saw a Tron Carter Instagram story that says well, he stands with LD. So yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, I I know very very little, but um, yeah, I think they I think they had a like something Palmer drink. Uh, yeah, and they involved the name Palmer in the name, and so Mr. Palmer's estate, estate or whatever reached out involved. and was like, yeah. "Hey, you can't really use this name without it being the official." And they threw a hissy fit because that's what edgy companies do. And shocker of shockers, TC came down on the side of of the Liquid Death folks. But um, I, it's all stupid. It's all very dumb. It was, I'm joking. You should not probably boycott Liquid Death. But. <laughs> Anyways, uh, speaking of boycotts, I have a Bud Light. Uh, <laughs> Love. <laughs> so I've had a I've had a busy uh, week ish and have not had had the chance to restock the mix and match from Martin's. So. Right. 
I mean, I, if you're sipping, sipping and strolling two to three days a week, that really starts taking up time. That's what I'm saying. You know, that, That's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm with you on that. Um, I am drinking a Guinness draft. Wow. Out of a can. Happy December to you. Yes. Beautiful. Played some golf yesterday. You know, the golf. Wait, to they... clarify, are you drinking it straight out of the can or have you poured it? It appears you poured it. I poured in it cup. into a cup. Yes. Also, side note, I bought the I bought a like a sleeve for two thirty nine of these aluminum um, solo cups, and mm-hmm. I just drink out of one at all times. They're delightful to drink out of. Just I can see that. Interesting. It's it's like a metal cup mouthfeel because it is indeed a metal cup, but that checks out. Yep. I don't know. I like it. I'm into Good it. Change of pace. And well. you can wash them easier. They they stay around a little longer. You know. But it's like, you know, you get 12, 16 cups for like $4 or something. So, yeah, you, you could outfit your whole place for like 10 bucks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All King of the frugal boys. My ears are. <laughs> right yeah. Uh, anyhow. OK, so, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot of activity this weekend in college football. I'm glad everything went exactly the way we thought it was going to go. No yep. drama. It should be a, a relatively about, short so show. We're going to spend the next no. hour and a half talking about Jamie's head coaching search um, right. and not talk about anything else. No, no, we're not going to do that. We are going to start with championship weekend. Uh, talk about some games here. We'll get into a little bit of playoff talk. Obviously, people want to hear. I've heard from people. They're they're waiting with bated breath to hear the wheel route weigh in on uh, on playoff oh, selection. Coming. So naturally, and, we're going to tease you down the road about forty five minutes. You yeah, are yeah, and, and then and then we'll for we'll the sake of our sponsors, take right we need to get all our ad reads in before yep. the juicy stuff. Absolutely, and then we'll take a ride around the carousel briefly because uh, spoiler alert: the Dukes. Uh, are in the hunt for a new football coach. So, uh, Jordan, you want to take us Pickville? Pickville, here we come. Hope you're ready. We have showed up earlier than usual. Uh, mixed mixed bag results for the boys. Logan and Jason went three and two. Uh, Jason has eked back into above 500 territory for the year. Uh, I went two and three. I am a game clear of Logan in second place, two games behind Jason. So we are wow. neck and neck yeah. coming into this is a tight Army race. Navy slash New Year's Six slash title game. Slash picking every bowl game against the spread with with without knowing opt-outs or anything. Just the worst yeah. content possible. Great Remember when used, we used to do that? We just picked winners for yes. every bowl game. And it was like rapid fire, no analysis. You just had to go. Yep. But we no did, we did, we did read out. all of the brands. That was that was yeah. key. Was reading all the yeah. brands for the bowl. Yeah. Well, that was a mistake too because we weren't getting paid by any of the brands. This was years ago. We moved on. We respected the game a little too much. Right. Um, the five games we picked began Friday night with the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon took on Washington, and wouldn't you know it? Washington looks like they are back from from a sabbatical of sorts. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know wait. if this is a Washington is just built perfectly to beat Oregon. Uh, I don't know if it's Oregon is not built to beat Washington, um, <laughs> but it was shocking to see like how how sharper and cleaner and crisper Washington's execution looked. Uh, especially on offense. Penix was much sharper than he had been the past several weeks, and Washington took care of business. Got out early in front, um, did not really look back at all. Yeah, yeah they, jumped, I, they jumped on him. 
I did. And to be fair, Oregon came all the way back and took the lead. They had three straight touchdowns uh, on either side of halftime. But like credit to Washington, they they proved it wasn't like a runaway and hide situation. Like they came back and scored two touchdowns of themselves. They went punch for punch for a team that I think probably all three of us would have loved to watch in the playoffs the way they were playing the last month. Yeah. Um, Oregon was looking really good and and Washington yeah, I mean, they, they counterpunched a bunch. I think we all would have collectively loved to see uh, a bit gaudier numbers for Michael Penix, but that was probably a um, they played running the down. The game, not the trophy, not the uh, Heisman yeah. Trophy. Running down the trophy would have taken a pretty preposterous performance anyways. Uh, but <clears throat> right. anyways, yeah, they, they looked good. They looked like the Washington we saw in October, and that's a, that's a feisty team. Yeah, Oregon looked. They came, Oregon came out a, a. It appeared a touch flat. Um, I don't know if it was flat or if Washington was just kind of on what they wanted to do. Oregon yeah. seemed a little bit like rattled out of sorts. Uh, I think they went th- maybe three and out or close to three well, and out on their Washington first two drives. Scored on their opening drive, right? And I think yeah. that probably took Oregon probably. by surprise a little bit. Yeah, and then oh, yeah, to I, go three I, and I, out. I do agree, and like, and it, it might just be because Oregon's offense just consistently looks so smooth and so like well obviously that guy's open and he hits him obviously in stride and that sort of thing so when they're a step off which is you know fairly normal thing it looks very herky-jerky um and yeah that that's basically what happened for the first gosh 25 minutes of this game probably yeah i thought washington ran the ball a lot better than they have past couple weeks as well like they they did a good job early on, especially of taking what the defense gave them rather than trying to force both run and throw. Um, Penix was they doing established a lot of it. getting it out wide, short check downs, um, and that opened up some stuff down the field later, but it was, it was a very disciplined approach of we don't have to win the game on the first drive, just take, take what we got and work with that. So yeah, congrats to the Huskies. That's that's a dang impressive season. Impressive to beat a really good team twice in the manners in which they did. Um, Kalen yeah. DeBoer coached the boys up this year. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I feel pretty good about watch. I mean, they clearly have gotten healthier in the last couple of weeks. I think they mentioned that like maybe both of the safeties that played really well in that game yeah. on Friday night um, were back in the lineup and kind of with it. They seem like they play timely defense. I think the full cast was kind of joking about it, but they said that, ti- that Washington plays like exactly enough good defense um, for the kind of games that they get involved in and need to win, which I think is like, that's a pretty astute observation given that it's like half joking, um, but they, they were really good. Uh, and I was really impressed with their offensive line. I just really thought that yeah. they like dominated Oregon, pushed them around. They were able to run the ball really well and give Penix time to kind of stand back there. Washington likes to throw it deep. Like Penix has like a really high average, you know, air yards kind of um, average air yards. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they go deep a lot. They like to run the sort of deep crossers four verts, you know, style of offense. And they, they do that uh, really well. They do that in like the same way that you or I would call plays on like a, a video game you know just like <laughs> run the touchdown play it seems like they kind of do that why a good would, bit why would you ever catch a ball fewer than cer- 10 yards yeah, in front of the line of scrimmage certainly yeah. the way their offensive line was blocking it up both in the running game and the passing game on friday night like let them be able to uh to do that and i think they ran the ball well enough that the safeties kind of had to 
had to creep up and pay attention and um you know eventually yeah it was just it, it was a re- it was a really well played game and i i was yeah. you know in some ways i was dis- <laughs> i was like thinking i was gonna go to bed if it was gonna be 24 to 3 at halftime i was gonna go to bed right because i was like i'm not i can't be doing this it's, i had early tea time on saturday not to brag and you know <laughs> stuff going on and then oregon scored and oregon did like the middle eight thing that like you yeah. want a good team to do right they scored right before half twice at right before half and then they um in like a three play drive that was that that went really yeah, fast they, i believe all down the field yeah and then they um they scored coming out of halftime as well i think and it was kind of like all of a sudden they're right back in it they you know you exchanged some scores and, and then all of a sudden they had the lead for a little bit there and um but yeah washington like stood strong and i don't know i mean they 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 impressed me under bright lights against a really talented team makes me feel a lot better about their playoff chances because I think it was just really easy to be like oh they're TS they're TCU, you know and we also kind of like say like oh they're TCU as if TCU didn't actually win a playoff game last year like they did yeah. win a playoff it game made the, I yeah. think just like because they got waxed so hard handily by Georgia that it's like you know they don't belong in the playoff like that's you know I don't think any of us thought they didn't belong in the playoff last year but I think that you could have made some comparisons based on the way that Washington kind of was leaking oil down the stretch and taping together some wins um but you know you got to do that allegedly allegedly you got to do that some teams got to do that other teams don't all right game number two we moved to Saturday Uh before we move on, I I think we can collectively pour some out for the Pac-12 conference. That was a good one to go out on. Yeah, that was a great um, one. They had all also the mascots like, there. Eulogizing I was going to say some weirdly weirdly moving mascot actions uh, at the <laughs> at the event. They were like everybody was like cheering every play, and then they were like hugging while in mascot costume yeah. outside of like like in the front of Roger Sherman or somebody was like they don't have to be mascots anymore but they're still hugging everybody the it's Arizona very, like... the Arizona State Sun Devil in the crowd like the look on his face it always cracks me up like <laughs> yeah. the like I think it was Roger Sherman like zoomed in it's like scheming <laughs> and then on the Arizona Sun Devil's <laughs> face Arizona State sorry yeah um, anyways uh the Pac-12 was a great conference and we could spend another three episodes discussing what went the wrong con- but the conference uh, of champions it was it was yeah. always it was always super fun to turn the TV on for like a nine thirty PM kick, knowing it was going to get weird and awesome. So, good game to end on. RIP to those. Yep. Anyways, we can move on now. I just wanted to get sappy. Thank you. No, that, that's welcome here. We are a lifestyle podcast, and right. sappiness is part of the lifestyle. We are sometimes. we are emotional men. That's right. Capital E, capital M. Um, yep. Saturday noon. Oklahoma State took on Texas, and Oof. Texas came out and did some things and did them often. Um, yeah. They won convincingly, seemed seemed to go in with the approach of style points or what we're after, and, and they accumulated they those. Yeah. yeah, I was sort of monitoring this. I was at a retirement party. Not Again, not to brag, big day for me on Saturday. Hey, and, yeah, uh, what a Sunday you had. Yeah, man. and I was, I was monitoring this on the TV, and I was like, wow. Um, I saw Arch Manning get in the game at the end there, take a couple mm-hmm. snappies. Uh, so, you Correct. know, everybody gets very excited when Arch Manning is out there doing doing things, uh, which is hilarious. But, uh, yeah, comprehensive beat down. Good for Texas. Ewers threw for like 450 in this game. I, it seems like Ewers was really good. They were game. Now, to be fair, team. They were like scheming people pretty open, but he completed like his first sixteen passes, and like, and to be fair, a lot of them were they they found uh, the weak spots in the Oklahoma State defense, and a lot of curious, them were like, 
catching runs, but he was he did not put a ball out of place for about 25 minutes in this game. It's interesting to see like AD Mitchell, the the receiver from Texas, transfer from Georgia. Like and then Alabama's best receiver also Brandon transferred Brandon. from Georgia. Like mm-hmm. uh George Pickens I guess transferred to Georgia, right? He transferred yeah. from Miami to Georgia. Okay. So I wasn't sure if he was how long he was there, but he was hurt for like most of his time at Georgia, which was kind of weird. But Georgia's there's something weird going on with the Georgia wide receivers. I don't understand what it is. I'm curious like why guys leave the program. They're not they're clearly not hurting for production. Um, I don't think at wide receiver, but like I don't Do know. They love tight ends too much at Georgia. <laughs> Will they have Bolitnikoff award winner Brock Bowers? That's the real question. <laughs> He's eligible for that one too. Brock powers uh yeah i don't know I, anyhow i just that's that I one's burped. always weird right, to me like, okay ad mitchell was like i mean he's been really good for texas and yeah. looks like an nfl receiver um, receivers are uh not man. super fun to match up with they home were race. just they have some home no- days out there for sure noticeably large noticeably fast and like i that does not seem fun marking them in open space so right um yeah okay state didn't have fun with it not so much not so much. Um, yeah, I think yours nearly set the Big 12 title game record for passing yards in yeah, the first half. Oof. Yeah, jeez. He definitely set the record. Texas set several conference championship game records right. on offense. On the way out. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, the old I, Big watched, <laughs> there you go. I watched most of this game. Uh, it, was, it was very fun. It was very uh, – Sark had what seemed to be a little bit uh, – he was he was calling angry plays. They were there were some trick plays. There were some some flea flickers. There were it was it was fun to watch. Um, Sark Sark has like a, a definite like in his bag gear that he gets into occasionally. Yeah. That like I remember there were some Dan Mullen moments where Dan Mullen would be like just deep in his bag like and like you were like oh yeah. man all plays are working and like some of these are like fu plays old boise state i might have even been harson or i don't know one of the old boise state ocs used to do this where it was just kind of like oh man like anything works but like nothing is actually that exotic they also have just dudes and uh they're also calling somebody tweeted you plays somebody tweeted that scripted sark is like a different beast (laughs) like when he's when his script is rolling it's something to behold and this is i was workshopping this theory as i was in a stupor on saturday night excellent weaseling through those two games why don't teams just rerun the script have you ever thought about that do you think i mean uh, someone might catch on eventually that you do it it's i don't but like would it be obvious within the same game that you're doing it or would it be obvious, like, after the fact, they'd be like, you know, they ran the script twice. Like, they're going to do that again. And then, like, you would have them preparing yeah. for it. Anyhow, sometimes I thought, like, I think it's, you know, I, don't I think know. it's Why the desire for football coaches. Football coaches always, like, have the desire, like, I am going to be one step ahead of that guy. Right. And, like, so I think I going think that probably, far. If you're like reverse, Miami think, and Tyler Van Dyke is your quarterback, like, you were probably better off to just. Run the more, like if it's a 15 play script, just go back to play one and get it popping one more time. Like let's let's ring every drop we can out of this. We're just gonna <laughs> flip. We're just gonna flip the plays. Yeah, exactly. The yeah, hit, hit the Y button on See? the on the Xbox now we're controller. We're something, and, guys. Yeah, this is. I mean, yeah. anyhow, this is kind of like one of those random, like you know. Again, we're like, out here uh, giving away consultant secrets for free. We gotta stop doing this. This is. <laughs> hey, hey, Coach Billy. It's time to run the script again. We haven't scored in seven drives. Let's We're let's run script B now. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, this this game was on Texas. Texas looked super good. 
Um, yes. And we'll we'll get into the playoff later, but um, they look to be a handful. That game's going to be awesome, I guess, since we already d- discussed both games or both teams in it. But anyways. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, just real quick. This also goes along my theory. Jason, I know I've floated this to you before, too, that uh, a, a team like should spend a week during the offseason or during preseason camp just like installing like just some rugged triple option football with like maybe just a different quarterback so then they could just like occasionally just like pull that out instead of the wildcat if you're just running like old school flex bone cut blocking hit him with, hit him with one fear and they'll be yeah. terrified yeah I and had then this you... thought during our acc championship <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah, so did job. so did everyone who saw the one successful florida state drive literally try anything please that's <laughs> But anyhow, that was just a thought. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I mean, you, you're, you're wasting, you're, you'd be wasting like, you know, 40% or 30% of your like preseason practice doing something. But like, if you just had that and you like, they, you just like pulled that out one drive and just rammed it down the team's throat, you're going to have think, that team worried that that's going to, be... every the rest of the year is going to be worried yeah. that's going to happen to them. If Florida comes out next year and they've got, <laughs> Etienne taking snaps under center and they're just going like straight flex bone. I will, I will, I will, yes, the, the full TA, uh, freaking yeah. Arbogast spin or whoever the there was a Zon or something that was a quarter that was the quarterback there. Sure there was a Miller out there somewhere, yes, but. right. But yeah, it's just, yeah. A, just a thought, could be curious. I'm on board, you've, you've sold me. All right, yeah, so that was the Big 12. <laughs> uh, we moved to 4 p.m. where Georgia and Bama. Squared off in the Mercedes Benz mm-hmm. uh, conglomerate estate, super jumbo arena, whatever they're calling it now these days. Um, yeah. This was also a very fun game. Um, I was impressed with, I guess, how, how Alabama kind of took a punch early. Georgia marched right down the field on their so Georgia, offensive Georgia drive. didn't even slow down on that first drive. Got up 7 to nothing. looked very well-oiled and in in uh, sequence, in in flow state. And then Bama <laughs> kind of put put the clamps on for a while. And Georgia took, took some time to get going back again. Uh, I think McConkey and Bowers were both clearly limited by some nagging pains. I don't know if that was, you know, aggravations of like for Bowers, did he, did he aggravate what he had surgery on or was it? It looked like he might have at one point, he had sort of a wincing, like come to the sideline Mm -hmm. and then cut to him. He was like crying on the sideline, kind of like issue. Um, Gets back to what I was talking about. Would have been nice to have AD Mitchell on the team. Uh, yeah. You know, or Jermaine Burton. Or Jermaine Burton. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, Alabama's defense um, was great. I mean, they. Defense was great and their offensive line played great. Their offensive line played great. Their that defense. Was- I think allowed like 78 total rushing yards to Georgia in the game though, which is really impressive considering how much Georgia seemed committed to running the ball unsuccessfully, which, you know, we can all make Mike Bobo jokes, but they sometimes make themselves. And it it, it seemed like uh, Georgia did not necessarily seem to completely struggle to throw the ball. And at least that's where they had most of their successes. And I think McKinstry went out and another DB went out for Alabama and they still didn't quite take as much advantage of it as they should have. As a matter of fact, Alabama dropped a couple picks, like big time dropped a couple picks. There's a couple, I mean, sometimes like you watch Alabama's corners, like they are so in phase with receivers. Like I know that's like such a, like, 
like a cliche thing to say, but there was a couple that like it was picture perfect cornerback play, and uh, and you're kind of like, wow, that I mean, like I would love to see that sometime. You know, <laughs> <This> <laughs> guy might know what he's doing. Yeah, so I mean, I know like you know they they also have like get the fastest best guys, so it certainly helps. But you know those guys stepped up, and to be honest, like there was a couple you know interceptions that probably could have made us look worse than it was it's still a close game you know uh but credit to alabama for kind of like having a really good game plan and then like defense really answering the bell uh and georgia just think probably combination of injuries and alabama playing well and Jalen milrow sort of settling down and then take being able to make some timely first downs with running the ball and make a couple big throws you know he kind of doesn't have like a complete performance ever, but he flashes so high <laughs> and yeah. his, and his like, ability to run it, is so helpful to, yeah. to, to them for sure that it's, uh, he, he does it. They gotta be he, like, I that. hate the whole, like, Oh, he's clutch, but like he, he picks his moments. Um, and I have no idea. I, I think the ability to do that on cue is kind of BS, but like he, you know, he had the, the little like Mahomes flip for a first down on third and three or whatever. And he had he had a couple moments like that where Yeah. Yeah, I mean he, he only threw for like hundred and ninety yards or something like that, but it seemed to come exactly when Alabama needed it. And you know, doesn't matter if you do just enough, if you do just enough in a way that gets you into the playoff. So Absolutely. Yeah, they again, their offensive line played so well, especially in the first half. They were able to run the ball basically down Georgia's throat. Um yeah. They didn't do a ton of scripted Milrow runs. I thought they would have run him more. Um, but it it was enough of a threat that Georgia was running this two-spy look and they were only rushing three D linemen. And I hated that. You, as, Jordan, as somebody, Jordan was in his feelings about this double as somebody spy. Who had both picked Georgia in the spreadsheet and fired a bullet on Georgia minus five that morning. Yep. Um like it, it seemed just like giving up, like, well, we can't get to him with four or five, so we're just going to spy these two linebackers, and they're going to be extra useless. Like, <laughs> I I don't know, man. Um, I mean, it was an interesting. It almost seemed like it was. An, it almost seemed like it was a bit of like an overreaction or an yeah. overthink. Um, you know, I think if you're, you know, and also like Georgia's defense this year is just like. You know, it's it's tough to say they weren't as good as the last couple of years because the last two Georgia defenses we've seen have been like far and away the best defenses in the country. And, yeah, and those teams and like so eye test wise, numbers wise, everything. NFL. Like yes, exactly. So so they are filling in gaps. Right. So like you know, if if your reload year is you know a fringe top ten defense, then you know congratulations. Say, oh, we only have the ninth. Yeah, I'm not like feeling bad for you, but I do feel like that was a little bit of a you know. Here's here's how we're going to innovate to you know defend Jalen Milrow running the ball is we're going to do this double spy thing that like kind of negates any of your pass rush and also makes probably it harder it for your defenders out of coverage. Yes, well it takes yeah, them out of coverage. Doesn't help with your pass coverage either. Takes, yeah. Probably takes them out of like run fill assignments too because they're just watching the quarterback. Hyper focused. Yeah, so court. I mean it, it almost seems like you don't want to say they played themselves, but they may have they may have sort of. Uh, they overcomplicated. Overcomplicated. Yes, exactly. Over too much dip on your chip there, Curb. Over yeah. overhandling. Over dandling. Uh, Alabama's offensive line also seems to have figured out some pass pro uh, items. Sure. They were giving up a lot of sacks earlier in the year, and over the last 
four or five games, I think that has changed significantly. Was what they were talking on the broadcast. Uh, Alabama's about. gotten a lot better. Um, I mean, I know that they like kind of needed a miracle to escape Auburn last week, which yeah. you know is what it is and is true. But you know, they, I think that they, it's been interesting to see a team probably as talented as Alabama that probably isn't playing that many different guys now as they were at the beginning of the year, um, come along as much as they have over the course of the year and like win all their games. Yep. And honestly, that that offensive line is probably one of the bigger thing. We we two were talking even I mean, Texas is one thing, but like even the week or two after Texas, we were talking that the Alabama offensive line was a problem. And Jalen Miller right. wasn't really we hadn't seen full Jalen Miller because he was always getting pushed around the pocket and always Harassed. having to Yeah, exactly. And so for them to come as far as they have this year is very impressive. Well, yeah, and I, I think very that they, terrifying they, for the next couple of years because we we did say early in the year like this is a an offensive line comprised solely of five stars. Like they're going to be good, and to to see right. them be good is uh, not inspiring because it's Alabama and it, whatever. But it's, it's impressive. It's, it's impressive and fascinating to watch. Well, I think everybody's gotten better. I think Tommy Reese is like lend like the play calling responsibilities. He, he called a really seems good to be doing game a better job. Night. Yeah, taking care of what they need to do. I think they they worked in a little bit more design Milro runs, which I think it does in turn help out the offensive line when like the quarterback is a threat to run instead of just like a threat to create. Um, also, so I mean that's just every all this stuff sort of helps out, and it's been I guess interesting to see Alabama kind of like dramatically improve over the course of the year from an execution standpoint at least. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're more used to seeing them just like come out week one and be Alabama and Sit stay Alabama. Yeah, and then you know, every team's gonna have like uh, some ups and downs, but definitely seemed like this was not Alabama when they were, you know, losing to Texas at home and then struggling mightily against USF, which you know, with QB two and QB three. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Tyler Buckner got numerous snaps in that game. I think that was a little bit of a. Jalen Milrow learn a lesson uh, situation Press there. Press the but, reset button a little bit. Um, you know, bowl eligible USF, by the way. You know, nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> no bowls. <laughs> Let it be known. Yeah. No, yeah. I. That's just something I've noticed. Not necessarily an assessment. Yeah. All right, we move to the 8 o'clock slot where we had dueling Oof. conference title games. This two like a bells of the ball. Methadone uh, hit this game. We'll start These two games. With the Atlantic Coast Conference. Louisville took on Florida State in Charlotte, the Queen City. Um, there was nothing regal about this game, boys and girls. Do I... Everyone is mad at the, the bowl committee today or the, the playoff committee. They should be mad at Jeff Brom. Yeah. He should be ashamed. Of, he should be ashamed of himself. That was. I think we can get into that later. But this, I watched all sixty minutes of this football oh game, God. and oh. I you, hated myself afterwards so much. Thank you for doing that for the podcast. We appreciate that. It was heinous. Um, it was just really, a really bad. Preposterous insult to football. <laughs> um, I I don't even know, I have no idea where to start. Uh, neither of these quarterbacks can complete a pass more than four yards away from the line of scrimmage. Well, Jack uh, Plummer is the weirdest dude on earth because he like will have games where he looks totally good and competent. Did you know yeah, that so, he's a six year senior? He he plays like he is he's like, like twenty four years old freshman. Yeah. The, um, the it also must be I said, wanted to roll out for this game was we all saw Louisville struggle on mightily on offense. Mm -hmm. How much of that do we attribute to? 
Florida State really played really well on defense. They did. They absolutely did. They, they did. had them locked they up. Were in shape. Shape. And I'll, I'll say the thing that I was about to get my rant to is that, like, at no point did any Louisville receiver get more than one American yard away from the person <laughs> covering them. Yeah, that's it was true. the most annoying thing. Like, every single pass was to a guy at a Florida State dude with already had his hand in front of the dude's face. And I was just yeah. like, can, like, can anybody get separated? They were trying to and force it to thrash so much. And, like, there was, like, yeah. one, like, slant play that, like, thrash got the ball. But, of course, right. the drive ends in, like, a sad field goal attempt. I mean. Oh, God. It was. And that was the other thing. Like, it was made so much worse by the fact that, like, at no point did I have any hope of Louisville scoring in the red zone. Zero. Zero optimism. Well. Like, they, they, we, we joked about it in the group text. Like, they, they got the. The, they sacked the punter, which was objectively hilarious because that was a sick I, play. I, I felt terrible for that punter. Just like they, they kind of tried to get fancy and snap it at the angle, and like four dudes came unblocked. Just like ran. Does not seem fun. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but so yeah, they get that like sack. One of those and plays where the QB sends the offensive line uh, yeah. protection in the exact yeah. opposite <laughs> direction, right. and then everybody on it's the blitz like comes. Three fifths of ends and a safety are coming in the other direction. Whoops. But I, I said in the group text, like, I look forward to the, the demoralizing 19-yard field goal, and I was overly optimistic because Plummer threw it. I mean, hit the corner, hit the linebacker between the numbers. Like the and well, it, the first guy, down, he almost got picked off. If it, it did, for, almost get picked up first down. Line. But then on the on the play, he actually got picked. The the guy who made the pick was trying to redirect people as the ball was snapped. Like Florida State did not have the right coverage in. This outside linebacker decides to turn and run with the guy and whips his head around for Plummer to like basically hit him in the face with a pass. And uh, God, it was, I am so mad at myself for well, watching. Well, Louisville gets the ball. They hadn't had the ball in the in like moving it on Florida State the whole game. The red zone in Fourth years, and one on the 18 yard line, and they decide to kick a field goal to uh, make it like three to three or six to six or something. And like, I mean, yeah. Jesse Palmer and and Joe Tess were disgusted oh, with they what were they were seeing. Horrified. Joe Tess was it was a it was hilarious. A little bit of, not the best look at, of all time for Joe Tess, but like he like they were trying hard to be like, you know, this has not been the best, you know. Were, I mean Joe Jesse, Joe Tess Jesse, a, I tell you a professional, but it, he even right. he could not save. It was so bad. I gosh and like I it feel was, bad for Florida State. They had to roll out their third string quarterback on like I yeah. gotta think that they kind of, they probably knew that was gonna happen. They probably had to eventually say that Tate wasn't gonna play. So, so yeah, I'm assuming he practiced. Baker got diagnosed with the concussion on Sunday, is what I saw. Yeah, no sh I mean, of course yeah, he, he did. Got did you he got on the Yeah, I mean he was like field. the the full right, like just eyes from a, roll back from a time frame yeah. timeline yeah. of how do how much do we expect him to right. be available? And yeah. in, in Florida State's defense, and, and this is obviously a very serious subject we're talking about, but mm -hmm. like in Florida State's defense, like concussions notoriously hard to like they can affect you for 36 hours or they yeah, can affect you a for case weeks. By case and, and patient by patient. Right. Issue. And so like I understand like everybody's being like, oh Florida State was trying to hide it. I kind of doubt they were. But well, they let him go back in the game, in the Florida game. Yeah, that's, yeah, and oh, they, right. they weren't trying to like let Louisville know about it beforehand. Right, right. Yeah, anyhow, so, I mean that's anyways. not that's not the the point is like Florida State was in a terrible spot because they had to play the quarterback and like that severely limited, you know, their offense thrived on Jordan Travis being awesome, right? Yep. And it was, I think it was like very limited against Florida, albeit like 
Tate, I think, was able to get the ball to the receivers enough that the run game then was more of a threat. Like, like yeah. I think last night, like the passing game was so little of a threat that the run game was yeah, was key, yeah was 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 much more ineffective than it was against Florida. And Louisville's defense is probably better than Florida's defense too. But like, I, I mean, I don't really think that like going to be bouncing your grandkid on your knee talking about the 2023 Louisville defense either. So, no. um, anyhow, the line, I, very good. The rest yeah. of it, whatever. So, so, but yeah, I, I felt bad. Like Florida state, I, I it was kind of weird. Cause they, they had one drive where they kind of wildcatted their way down the field. I think oh, there was like an yeah. 80 yard run on both, that, on that both drive teams too. Had, both teams had one awesome drive and then neither team tried anything from that drive ever again. It was just a little wild to see like the Wildcat drive be so much more effective. And you kind of wondered why they maybe didn't go to that a little bit more, especially knowing that like I've Florida State unfortunately needed to look a little bit better than they looked the last two weeks in order to, I think, like reassure people, leave no doubt that they belonged in the playoff. And unfortunately, like in the worst way, unfortunately, like I can LOL at like loud online Florida State fans saying that like they need to sue the NCAA and the Disney Corporation as if, you know, they don't own the ACC network too. Um, Like that stuff aside, like it's just super unfortunate that like the basically eye test thing kind of just screws over Florida State and they they won both their games that they needed to win in like super high leverage situations uh, with very limited personnel. So, um, I mean, shout out to them. It was it was a hell of a yeah, season. Yeah, they found a way and they they hoisted the trophy yeah. at the end of the night. That, that's impressive given yep. the circumstances. Uh, final game of the night was Michigan v. Iowa. This was the 22-point spread. I fired a bullet on Michigan, and glad I did. That that basically evened me out for the day. Well, that's uh, good. Which was nice. But uh, I, I had a tough weekend. Tough weekend for your boy. That's okay. On the line. Always, on the line. There's always Monday night football. Um, <laughs> yeah, Michigan. Like Iowa. I was very impressed with Iowa's defense. I had not watched much football to this point this year um was very impressed with how they were able to contain uh the michigan run game quorum didn't really get loose at at all in any significant way blake the great kind of you're kind of used to seeing him like pop a pop a big chunk run maybe starting in the second quarter and those become more frequent in in a lot of michigan games as the game wears on um I yeah, I always got guys flying around. They hit hard. They they covered receivers pretty well. But I thought McCarthy McCarthy played much better. I thought in this game than he did the Ohio State game. Um, I agree with that. He threw some strikes. Was throwing fastballs. wasn't um, wasn't asked to do like he didn't push the ball down the field that much. wasn't asked to do much. But he wasn't asked to do much at Ohio State either. And he definitely looked better yesterday than he did. Yeah, he he for whatever reason looked more comfortable. And you know, having a lead helps. And being fairly confident that that lead is never really going to be in danger also helps. Um, I think I was Iowa struggled on offense. Yeah, Iowa's deepest penetration, if you will, was to the. Michigan 44, and I think they got stopped on fourth and one, um, which is not – that's not close to they scoring did. range. They, so they did. Was that, I, I, uh, was that the Deacon yeah. Hill attempted the tush push and slipped? Uh, probably. 
Yeah. Deacon Hill so. has like hefty Ben Roethlisberger like look about him. Like when Ben like when it was would it be like November and Roethlisberger like had multiple knee braces on and, and would and, wear yeah. like the hoodie, like the, like the hoodie yeah. and the flak jacket jersey. Um, yeah. that's that's the vibe I get from Deacon Hill. Not the same ball delivery, unfortunately. Uh, There's also I noticed Iowa. when they would like zoom in on him tight with the helmet on, his face looked. Uh, I don't know the name of this character, but one of the Lord of the Rings characters. Okay. <laughs> I, I was getting that vibe from him. I'll do some research. Narrow, narrow down. Jason probably knows. Um, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, not much to say here. This was pretty gross. I, I, this was probably a more gross game in many ways than the Florida State-Louisville uh, um, game. At least Florida State-Louisville were like, it was kind of almost like yakety sacks. This was more just like, Oh boy, <laughs> it's just like slow, painful, drip, 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 death. Um, I want to point Michigan, out that the Michigan's and, two scoring drives in the fourth quarter yeah. that that beat me on the spread. The first one was four plays, negative three yards. The second one was six plays, twenty three yards. Both field goals. And one of their scoring drives was like deal. five year, five yards because the guy got the punt return got pushed out the five yard line, right? Yeah, that was the yeah, the first one. The second. They didn't half. exactly. Um, lighted up themselves like you said i think Iowa's defense played fine but this has been the story of the whole year like the iowa offense thing it's it's crazy and borderline unfathomable that they are able to win as many games as they are and they're so comfortable in these like super low scoring games but they were never going to score double digit points in this game i mean their first we talked about the first half spread was half a point so what do they have i mean over under Uh, yeah team total i will credit brian ference for perfecting somehow the like still shock and awe look when stuff doesn't work i mean yeah. we we've also, gone he through got... a whole season of this we're in the conference title game yes and he still just looks flabbergasted yeah. when his offense doesn't produce it's not um, clicking what did he get so I, I did not see confidence in your stuff i i didn't see it what would what did he get super angry about on the sideline i don't know I don't remember. I saw, I saw the reaction. I didn't see what it was. Um, I believe he was flagged for an unsportsmanlike. He, yes, was. he was. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Michigan had six scoring drives in this game. One of them was for longer than 29 yards. There you oh, go. Yeah, brother. And it was it was 13 plays, 52 yards for a field goal. A 13 oh, play field Manning goal. <laughs> 13 play, Lucas 52 Boyle yard drive. Yeah, that's gross. So, anyhow, whatever. Terrible, yeah. terrible night of football last night. It ended with a bit of a wet fart, but you know, yeah. what can you do? I was so drowsy, like I was these games, like up, and it would be like Louisville about to push it in the end zone, and then like I would like wake up and like Florida State's just punting. I'm like, what happened? How, how did <laughs> I thought Louisville was about to score a touchdown? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, all right. So there's the games. Good. Good on. Good on everybody. Congratulations to all the players. We should point out too that I guess uh, SMU. Won the AAC. They yeah, did. Knocked final, off Tulane. Their final uh, run. And uh, I Troy won the, the SBC, yes? That's correct. Yep. John Sumrall. What a what a program he's building over there. Yep. <laughs> Anyhow. All right. So uh, is there any other ones? Liberty won their game. So congrats to the Flames. That was, that was the problem with SMU winning. Is that Liberty also won? Yeah. Liberty Biberty. Real, real bummer. Uh yeah yeah Liberty's gonna if Chadwell's the coach uh, Liberty's never not gonna win that um conference that's correct so yeah. uh, they also the conference USA is 
they also had the 133rd ranked schedule this year, which is out of hilarious. Dead last. 134 or 133? Nope. 133. They are DFL in Well, hey, listen. They capitalized on it, Jason. You love to see a team capitalize on the games that are on their schedule. All right. I don't love to see Liberty capitalize on anything. <laughs> That's fair. That's all right. The Fighting Gemstones will be taking on some team in the. In, in whatever bowl they'll be playing in. They'll be excited to be there. Though. Oh, they are they are playing Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. Oof. Uh, Chadwell is definitely going to be coaching South Carolina if things don't go well for Coach Shane next year, right? Can we agree? I'd love to see Chadwell in the a- in the SEC. I think that'd be fun. He's got an SEC vibe. But I wanted him to stay coastal for a long time because uh, – I and now I want him to go to the Big Ten because he and Kurt Zignetti hate each other with fire. It's the best. Kirk Zignetti, Kirk Zignetti um, loves gets a little chesty. A of, I, I didn't. I a lot was, of people Kirk, got Kirk, to see the real Kurt Zignetti this week. Kurt Zignetti, yeah. I was not familiar with your game. I it was yeah. kind of like it was I'm kind of a situation. I apologize. I was not familiar. <laughs> um, the basketball game, like, and then everybody got excited. Uh, there was a defensive line coach that was carrying on on the sideline during the game. I think earlier this year, like MF in the oh, crowd, yeah. uh, yep. you know, shooting birds, doing lots that- of. That might have been uh, at Troy, actually. Pro, doing lots of like pro wrestling, uh, yeah. like you got hand the DMX signals and stuff. Out and, yeah, <laughs> I mean, a lot of weird wrestling celebrations. Um, it looks like he's coming with Coach Coach Kurt. So anyhow, um, all right, let's take it to the playoff here. Um, we're t- we're saying largely have skipped these rankings because they're fairly performative and just made for TV weirdness um, until basically the last two weeks. But uh, we, we tried to watch the ones last week to sort of get a, a feel for maybe what the committee was thinking, right? Get inside the mind of the committee. And, uh, you know, I don't know that we necessarily did that. But anyhow, starting from number one through number four, your college football playoff rankings. We have number one, the Michigan Wolverines. No real surprise there. Uh, number two, your Washington Huskies. Number three, the Texas Longhorns. And number four, the oft-overlooked Alabama Crimson Tide. Cinderella uh, story. Number five, undefeated ACC champion Florida State. And number six was Georgia. Well, I think I think one listing showed them as tied for fifth. That's weird. Lame. People give Georgia too much credit. Their schedule wasn't that good. It's just about this is about this year. This is not about winning 29 games in a row. Like I understand right. it was extremely impressive, very awesome that Georgia did that. Uh, you know, I'm losing no sleep that they lost that game last night, of course. But they, you know, but this isn't about this is not like a, a three year achievement award of excellence. Yeah. Like their schedule wasn't that good this year and they needed to win the SEC and they didn't do it. So. That's correct. Yep. And some of that is through no fault of their own. We talked about this on the podcast before. I so, think o- Oklahoma was on the schedule for them to begin this year, and because Oklahoma and Texas are joining the SEC, they they came off the schedule because they're yeah. so like I mean that happens, but you know they filled them in with like Ball State or something, not with like you know a team with a pulse. So, uh, so there we go. We just we solved the biggest problem with playoff, and we can move on. Everything <laughs> else, I think everybody agreed on everything else, so we're good. Yeah, I mean, I think we're in agreement on Michigan-Washington, uh, some version of them. I would have loved a version of the playoff in which those two teams got to play in the Rose Bowl. I thought that could have been fun, a traditional Rose Bowl matchup. Um, at this point, you're kind of like, if you're going to only have four teams, you're in some ways, like you might as well just seed it in a way to sort of 
elicit the best matchups. <laughs> but things would have gotten really weird if you put certain teams like two and three. <laughs> so people would have gotten mad. Instead of just making it, yeah, exactly. So that that wouldn't have that wouldn't have gone over well. Um, but yeah, so Michigan gets to play Alabama in the Rose Bowl, as I understand it, and Washington gets to travel to New Orleans to play Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, and then I think the championship game is in Houston. So Texas could potentially get to play yeah. in Houston. So hmm. this is a good year, Texas, to hmm. to exercise a whole lot of demons at one time, you know, yeah. <laughs> right before That's joining right. the SEC. Uh, but anyhow, yeah. So I think when Texas got announced as the number three team, I don't think, I mean, it, it was very clear that they were setting up a, Alabama, Florida State debate question. Yeah, who, who, who it was going to be, right? Um, when they didn't put like Alabama ahead of Texas, like I don't think there was any way they were going to put Alabama ahead of Texas, but because they ranked Texas, then all of a sudden it kind of like, I think brought Alabama way more into play than mm-hmm. maybe at various points yesterday we thought they were going to be, given that Alabama I think was ranked eighth last week. Um, but Pick up a pretty good win against Georgia certainly helps your case. I think Alabama has a really nice resume. They happen to have lost to another team in the playoff, which is interesting. Um, but they uh, made it undefeated through their schedule, have some good wins, have some iffy, bad performances, uh, and a tough loss. Um, I have, I guess I would just say, like, and this is all like sort of being generous to Alabama. Right, right. We'll, we'll do the opposite version of this, too. But... Um, People really make it seem like Texas killed them. Um, yeah, that was an awesome game. It was an awesome game. Uh, Texas pushed Alabama around for large parts of that game. I think that is true. Yeah. Um, but like they, a lot of people do the like ten. No, they beat them by ten, brother. Double like they digits. ran away and hid. And it's like, well, I think they they got a score at the end to put it out of reach, right? Like that's what a good team should do. I don't necessarily think that means that Alabama. Like I'm pretty sure Alabama and Texas played right now. That Alabama would be a favorite on a neutral field. That doesn't mean oh, that Alabama's better. That just means that I think that's how that's Vegas how, how Vegas would those view it. Those two teams have progressed over yeah, the course. Correct. So, anyhow, um, kind of like super bummed out for Florida State. Uh, it's it's yeah. like my my personal brand allegiances aside. Uh, I think that it sucks because I. I don't know. I think we were doing the thing last year with TCU. Like they won all their games. They're they deserve to be there. They haven't looked awesome, but they won all their games and did all that you could ask them to do. Like they absolutely deserve to be there. And then TCU actually lost their championship conference championship game last year, and still got in. Now the circumstances were different because I think the comparison last year was to a two-loss Alabama team, and TCU was only carrying one loss in a conference championship game. So that was kind of where we were drawing the line last year. Um, this is a little different. I kind of do think that i'll just get it all out and then let you guys talk for a little bit i i do think that these are the four best teams um i don't think that alabama deserves to be there more than florida state deserves to be there but i i mean that's the it's going to be the eternal stupidity of this format in which you have five power conferences and only four slots available yeah. and you kind of try to basically do this kind of like made for tv narrative drama conversation um that like and also i just think that this year like they're not they're not having to do it to the same degree next year so they could kind of do what they want which sucks for florida state it sucks yes yep. 
You want to go next, Jordan? You want me to take it? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll go next, and then yeah. I'll I'll pepper you with rebuttals as as you Excellent. go on. Um, I appreciate that. No, I like. I feel for Florida State's players and the coaching staff to a degree, um, but I also like. I texted you guys. I didn't watch any of the the reveal show or any of the the brouhaha commentary after it. Um, so I'm coming in just like knowing what the rankings are and not not really influenced by any of our our media colleagues and their opinions, which I think is very big of me to do. Um, I think they got it right. Like if if the mandate of the committee is identify the four best teams at the end of the year and formulate a playoff betwixt those four, then I think they got it right. Um, yeah. From the Florida State standpoint, yes, they they did everything they were asked to do. They passed every test they were asked to pass. But, again, it comes back to, like, the nature of the way they've set this system up, like you alluded to, Logan, there are no automatic qualifiers for this system. So it's not... It's not a pure, well, they passed all the tests, they're an automatic in. Nobody nobody gets gets in because they are undefeated, purely. It is, it is a whole lot of other variables. And this feels like the one year where we had we had some some variables go maybe not according to plan completely, and and it really made the committee make some decisions. Um, I thought it was interesting, and the committee set themselves up in a tough spot by not dropping Florida State more right after the Travis injury, um, because you valued you valued a Big Twelve championship victory for Texas. They increased their ranking by four. Alabama rose four spots on virtue of their conference championship victory and Florida State's conference championship victory netted them a a loss of one. And so like the optics of that are not good. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's for Um, sure. The optics also of, yes, Liberty is the G5 school who gets a New Year's Six game because they won all of their games while... Florida State is not getting a playoff shot despite winning all their games is a tough look as well. Um, but I do think, like, if Florida State fans are honest with themselves, do you have a snowball's chance in hell of winning the semifinal game if you get if you get in? Like, what what are what are your realistic hopes for this playoff bid? Is it just so like? oh, we made it and we're collecting a check and this is good for recruiting profile? Or do you actually think you have a legitimate shot with Tate Rodmaker? I'm going to say that they think they have a shot based on the talent on that roster skill-wise and the way that their defense played publicly against Louisville that was ranked 14th in the country. I personally don't necessarily rate Louisville as like, like a... A, a, we a, saw that a, Louisville NC State. Exactly. I mean, I've I've been through some stuff with Louisville this year, right? So like, I don't necessarily think that Louisville is, um, 
something to write home about from from a victory standpoint but they were they were ranked 14th but like i i will say like i i'm i'm good friends with like some someone who's like a fairly level-headed florida state fan very clearly in the bag for florida state right giving me all yeah. the giving me all the reasons that florida state should have been in and it's like i mean i think that they're i think the other the other thing too is like ohio state got in with with their third string quarterback once upon a time and right. won the whole thing, right? Now, maybe we had a, one more game runway to see Cardell Jones because I, I seem to remember his back his back plate flapping in the breeze while he was, like, running down the sideline, just running dudes over, being like, uh-oh, this, this guy might be a problem, too. Um, so there's, like, there's some weird precedent at play. I'm, I'm kind of with you, Jordan. I don't think Florida State would have had much of a chance, especially what I saw the other night. And, like, I didn't really think they played that great against Florida. I think that they were very patient against Florida, and they eventually wore down a Florida defense that was very thin. And I think it was really impressive that they went into that environment and they took some punches and they got back in that game and, and they won that game. But I also, like, you know, as a Florida fan, don't think that beating 2023 Florida is, like – by you know needing a score at the end of the game to kind of like you know on a short field to like is yeah exactly like indicative of you like being and and, you know it sucks because they won they won all the games right and and that's kind of like that's the ultimate like rebuttal is they won all the games um but i do think that they are like very talented and i would have loved to see them with jordan travis against some of these defenses and some of these teams that they would like have to play your michigans your alabamas uh things like that yeah, so the other two things I will say before I give Jason the floor. The, I think the timing of the Travis injury is about as bad as it could have been for sure. Florida State's chances because if he had gotten hurt in, say, the ACC title game, then the committee doesn't really have a sample size to hold against Florida State, right? But because they have the Florida game and now the Louisville game to do eye test comparisons with the other teams that they are vying for one of those other two spots, because we all can agree, okay, Michigan and Washington, they were locks. It seemed like Texas, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida State were going to be vying for the final two. And so with Florida State, you are now doing the, this is not, this is not materially or fundamentally the same team that say beat LSU or beat any of the other teams earlier in the season because they're down QB one, who is a, who's the straw that stirs the drink, right? So you now have somewhat of an eye sample, eye test sample to say, okay, we think we know who they are now and that's not cutting it and we can drop them. Um, I, again, feel for the players, feel for the coaches, but it is what it is. I also had this thought, I kind of wish they would do, would have done the thing that, you know, sometimes the NBA draft or NFL draft does for a player when he like, it gets discovered in in pre-draft workouts that he's got a condition and he should definitely not play sports anymore, but they do like an honorary pick. So he still gets the hold, hold the jersey with the commissioner and everything and we feel good about ourselves. <laughs> right. I think they just should have done that for Florida State this year. Like, you know what guys, you won, you won all your games. And I'm sure they would have loved that. that. I'm but, sure Mike Norvell would have loved to be patronized yeah, publicly Blue, like that. Blue Corrigan, but like, Continuing to play in in this path is a danger to yourself. So we're going to save you from that, and uh, but we're still going to acknowledge you. Yeah, so, Florida State very very, very publicly like attempting to leave the ACC like uh, actively like gets to hear from Boo Corrigan and yeah. another ACC um, that got to make those some of those decisions. So yeah. yeah, I'm sure the conspiracy theories aren't going wild. Oh, you have no idea. It's crazy. Um, 
so before I dive into my uh, TED talk, I will say on the on the topic of um, of Travis's injury, the fact that he tweeted out, "I wish I'd broken my leg earlier," is one of the most brutal. gutting tweets brutal. I've ever seen. Absolutely from brutal. Yeah, yeah, sucked. Like I feel so bad. The fact that he was made to like essentially think he needed to apologize for getting injured. Jesus. Like yeah, God, that's horrifying. Um, anyways, so I'll lead this talk with two things um which is one uh this playoff was ideal for my wallet because uh back in september uh the week before they played alabama i put a futures bet down on texas to win the national championship and the nice. week after texas and alabama played i put a futures bet down on alabama to win the national championship hey so, they are the two teams i am financially invested in so it worked out oh, great yeah, i, I should have i should have i forgot to have us all apply our financial disclosures before we that's started fair. this discussion so but yeah. jason that's big of you to let us know you're, you're welcome um i also had i had georgia as a safety and so that didn't happen but i i have no investment in futures on your hand up i um, neither do I, I because i very recently was allowed back at the game so my future would have been a two-week two-week out future were two weeks <laughs> like i get great um, odds on alabama to win the national championship <laughs> So I, I have uh, I have a decent it'll it'll be a solid steak dinner if either of them win. So that those are my rooting interests. Um, I'll also say that I think most people would probably acknowledge that the four best teams are playing in the playoff, and these will give us the three best football games, going off everybody's best opinion and thought. Georgia fans um, aside, but you know they wait, they can you know, they can take a they can slash. pound they those, can, those of us with with a neutral view. But yeah, you Georgia can tell Kirby not. wanted no part of like having to go out there and be like, guys, listen, it is about the most it is about the right. most excellent team, not the not the most yeah, deserving team. Was, like that's all I got to he say. Was, he like, was he, sprawling. For, you could tell for that he he did not. Uh, um, I don't think he was. It he is was worth also worth pointing out. Everybody's talking about Alabama jumping Florida State, and I get why, obviously. Um, but it's worth pointing out that no matter what happened in the SEC championship, Florida State was not going to make the playoff because Texas yeah. jumped them. If right. Georgia had stayed in, it would have been Michigan, Washington, Georgia, and Texas. So, anyways. Well, so I, I would push back on that a little bit because I think if Georgia wins, you've got three undefeateds who are conference championships. Florida State is then potentially the fourth. I think, Alab like, in some twisted way, Alabama beating oh. Georgia then made Texas win over alabama stronger no that's what i'm alabama. saying like alabama that's and texas fair. are tethered okay. together and like they were never going to put alabama ahead of texas even though they probably yeah. really really wanted to and probably because yeah. alabama maybe at this point is a better a quote-unquote better team but they've already played on the field so the games don't matter like you know we, we get we I'll get to that whole thing i would love to watch texas's wide receivers go against alabama's secondary that was going to be fun as all get out again because they nothing of the fact that that would guarantee me a payday but that's beside the point logan <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, you're, you're probably right in that, that, that probably did like open the door of like, maybe we don't have to, um, yeah. so I, I'll, I'll concede that there's some unknown there. Um, all this being said, uh, I super hate that Florida state did not make the playoff. Um, I think, it's very it, big of you. I think it very openly kind of just says, and I, I get the argument for, for Travis being out and I get the ACC is a considerable distance behind the Big Ten and the SEC, but like it, the it comes back to for me, it comes back to like the games have to mean something. Like I saw, I saw a tweet that was like, "Why don't we just, you know, fine, let's just use Bud's 
five-star rating thing and get the recruiting classes and like let's that, that's the most talented team so let's put them on the field and that's an extreme way of looking at it but there's like a little bit of truth in there like the game the games have to mean something or else it's stupid and and for a sport that has been railing against playoff expansion for the very reason that oh the regular season means something in college football clearly it doesn't like it doesn't and it's one thing when you leave like an undefeated group of five team, an undefeated MAC team out of the playoff. Like, I get it. There's only so many spots. That's not realistic. But, like, the ACC is good. Florida State beat some good teams. It's I get it. It's not the SEC. I get it. It's not the Big Ten. That yeah. being said, the SEC top to bottom wasn't as good as the SEC usually is this year, and we still crowbarred Alabama. And so, like, it, I don't I don't see how you can say out one side of your mouth, like, well, we have the most important regular season and the games mean something, and also do this. I think it's it's very bad. I think if it is a – you know, this all gets better. And and the thing I honestly should have said at the start, the, the real problem is the system. It was very stupid to just, like, dip their toe into playoff expansion. Like, we'll give you one extra round. Like, okay, well, you just made it super problematic. Good job. Well, uh, and it's always, yeah, it's hit cool. behind, like, some sort of a, like, they get to decide in the room how they're going to do it. Like, there's no actual right. criteria. Like, right. alleged, it's all, know, it's it, all it, very, it, the system itself is terrible. And I'm also, uh, this is a tangential rant. Um really sick and tired of people being like, well, the Alliance is the reason we didn't have an expanded playoff this year, which like with the very simplest look at the facts is true. And don't get me wrong. The Alliance was the dumbest garbage in the entire world. It was such a, such a, it probably deserved to come back around and get smacked around one more time. Just to, it did. And I'm fine with that. And like college (laughs) administrators thinking they're being heroic is I, you know, I have zero time for that. And that was the stupidest thing in the entire world. But the whole reason that they did the Alliance was because the SEC had already started backroom dealings with Texas and Oklahoma to steal their to steal them to the SEC. So like, the like Greg Sankey being like, "Well, look at the alliance; they're the ones that get." Miss me with that. That's a bunch of trash. I hate it. Anyways, that's my Thank tangent. Um, but yeah, I I just I it it reeks of like, and it, this is hundred percent what happens. But it reeks of we will say whatever we want to defend our choices in the moment. And this is not a, this was never built on principle and it's college sports. So I I should never expect that. But like to, to put Alabama and Texas above Florida state openly says, no, the games don't mean anything. We're just going with who we think looks best. And like that, that leaves. I I, I guess I can't go a lot of, can can I just like jump in real quick? I I see a lot of loud, the people, they're just saying the games don't matter. Like to me, that's just like, that's, painting with way too broad of a brush as if Alabama played no other games this whole year as if Texas played no other games this whole year like everybody played a lot of games what do you mean the games didn't matter like because Florida State beat every team they had in front of them and they beat there were plenty of good teams mixed in there so it's not you can't be like well Western Michigan did the same thing you uh, Liberty did the same well, thing okay like, that's completely well different. yeah I mean it's it, you're being intentionally obtuse if you say like Liberty's undefeated which is like a joke right but right. I just like I, I I guess I'm I saying that the games don't matter like i does i think takes like everything away too from the idea that like a lot of this has to be like comparative eye test on like strength of record and like other games that you win right like so you, you, I, don't, you don't you don't think alabama don't has had a more impressive season than florida state has based on like the other other games that they won um, i don't think it's that much of a gap for sure um, to overcome a loss, and I get it's a great loss. It's a loss to the number three team in the country. Like that's perfectly fine. I get it. But like, Florida's like, the 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 thing you've set up is like this is the most important regular season in sports because the the losses mean something and the loss can kick you out of the playoff and all that stuff. And then you said actually no, that's not true. 
like a power five conference, which and everybody in the power five does this. We are light years ahead of the group of five, but they don't even matter. We might, you know, we're going to threaten every other year to break off and form our own thing. Um, like a, a power five conference team went 12 and 0, 13, whatever they are, 13. They went undefeated. They beat everybody in front of them. They played a very, very good non-conference game. They won that game. Uh, it's not like they, it's not like they played like FCS, you know, CAA team, you know, Sunbelt team, Conference USA team. They played like Georgia, like LSU. Georgia did. Yeah, right. Like Georgia did. And like they, they played LSU and they beat them and they, they played good teams in the ACC and they beat all of them. And like it, to me, it's just, and like, I do not ascribe to the conspiracy theories of like, oh, all of these teams are going to be in the Big Ten of the SEC soon. And, and I, I do think it will be the power two soon, but I think that is for a dozen other reasons. Um, but like, you could not have done something that looked worse optically. Well, that's like what I'm saying. Like, I don't think they they know that they probably aren't going to ever have to like make a decision as weighty as this again. So they can just go yeah. ahead and like they were right. given an out got, because Travis got hurt. And then yep. and and like I said, like unfortunately, a, in the worst possible way, Florida State did not look good enough the last two weeks for them to like definitively say like, well, we got to put them in, like right. And like that that sucks because that's kind of not fair. Yeah, they so had for a, me. It's like the games still absolutely matter, and I don't think so. When I the say Florida State decision. I'll 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 edit this to to repeat what we said last week, which is when I say that games don't matter, I don't mean like I have loved watching every college football game. Nothing takes away from that. I mean for playoff criteria selection. Yes. Yeah, no, and I I am pushing back on this idea that, and not necessarily your idea, Jason, but the the idea on the twitters that oh now the regular season doesn't matter. Yeah, I for me this decision is as simple as. If Travis stayed healthy through the end of the season, Florida State's a lock to get in. They don't get they don't get bumped if Travis is still healthy. Um, but because he is such a key to that offense, because he is the player that he is, you have to evaluate them as almost a different team. And so that team has a two-game schedule, and they didn't look very good. Yes, they won both of those games. Yes, one of them was uh, against a top 15 team at the time in Louisville. They won that game. They did what they had to do there in theory. But when you evaluate that against an Alabama team who just beat the team sure. you have as a committee put on the pedestal all year, like, I I don't know. Like, I, I get it, and I'm not I'm not super bent out of shape about it personally but i understand why florida State yeah, i mean florida. yeah ex exactly and to be to be fair again like this this is the these are the four teams that will give us the three best football games there's no doubt in my mind at all yeah um and come january 1st i'm gonna love it it's gonna be awesome and um so uh, yeah I, I think i think both of those things can be true i think in my mind two things can be true which is these are the four best teams in the country and also, I don't like it for college football or anything like that. That it like Florida State didn't get a shot. Um, I think it. I think it bodes not great. Now, yeah, some, um, someone was going to get I, I better next we, year. So we did mention that someone was like going to get kind of like quote unquote hosed in this scenario, right? Like I think <laughs> I'm not saying to. that we would have been probably as morally 
um, against Alabama getting yeah. left out. But I do think that like we would kind of be doing that like, oh, I guess Florida State, you know, they won their games. They right. did what they needed to do. So we're going to put them in there and roll the dice and see what happens. Yeah. You know, and you know, Alabama the- probably would have given them a better game. You know what I'm saying? Like we, yeah. we were, we were going to have the opposite conversation regardless about yeah. Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State or whoever the other like, you know, the next team is. Um, so it's just like yeah. it, it's this, uh, and uh, being- we spent a lot of time like talking about it. I just like personally, I kind of think. A lot of people say, and, and Jason, you like you've done a good job of like talking about this. But a lot of people on Twitter like get on and just do the like very sanctimonious, like, well, I guess the games don't matter thing. And like to me, that just like is one of those things that I think people feel like they're really smart saying it, but that doesn't actually take into account the fact that like all college football seasons and records are an amalgamation of like a bunch of different things and a bunch of different games. And like rarely do any of these, like none of these so I mean, it's rare that we have two playoff teams that have played each other already this year, right? Like, it's yeah. got to be one of the first times that's ever happened, I would think, unless be. there was yeah. a Alabama Georgia t- situation that maybe they got to play before, but even then, I don't know if that happened that year. So it's kind of they like probably met in like an SEC championship or something, and then played each other or something. Right, but like you know, so and and in there's also a version of this too, where like people would be patting Alabama on the back for scheduling Texas. Yeah, that's true. And like why that, did Alabama I, I get do to like keep that their, that got rewarded. Why did Alabama get to keep their Texas game, but Florida had to cancel theirs? Was it because like the series hadn't started yet? They'd already played one last year? Because Florida was supposed to play Texas this year, which, I mean, thank God that didn't happen. But, I mean, it was kind of like <laughs> – I, I know that, that that whole thing was kind of weird. Maybe it's because they played last year, so they were cashing in the back end say, of their one-and-one, and it was I don't know that. or something, but – I don't know the reason, but I think yours sounds most logical in that the series had already started, whereas the the others were easy cancels. Yeah. So anyhow, I think. Anyways, I, think, I, like, I do whole, think it is a bit of a it is a bit of a bummer, but I, I some of the like sanctimonious grandstanding is like uh, to me like a little bit laughable. Um, on, people on, people on, love to parachute all, in. all around, and like I also think people do a little bit of the straw man thing with the SEC fan. Like I personally would have thought it would have been hilarious if Georgia and Alabama got left out. Nothing, you know, I think that would have been kind of awesome and hilarious. And I would have died of lols at like butthurt Georgia and Alabama fans. You know, I was in a win-win-win situation for me all around because like these are the three three teams that are like, you know, towards the bottom of my list personally. So, you know, I guess I had the best case scenario because Georgia and Florida State had had to eat it. But it was also like, you know. And I do, I agree with you that if, if Florida State had been in place of Alabama, we would have been... Yeah, it's like, like well, you know, morally, Georgia won 29 morally, games in a row, and you know right. they got punished for playing in the SEC championship game. Da, 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 da. Well, we would have like been we would have been morally happy, but like entertainment wise, like oh, yeah. okay, well, one of these semis is going to suck. Which is and, why I think we were happy that TCU got re- like rewarded last year because we kind of yeah. felt like we were doing. We definitely did the like, oh, or I at least was. I shouldn't say we. I don't, I'm not speaking for the, the group, right but you know, the I right thing happened. How I felt this time last year. Well, you were really drunk most of these. So um, <laughs> okay, anyhow, so we have our. Game said these are on New Year's Eve. Are they the thirty first or the first? Oh, they, I think they the might be. First the first is a Monday, so, so that'll be. It is. Be it's the Sunday. first. It's okay. the first. Sick. Love that. The Sugar Bowl is Monday on the, the first at least. Uh, cool. Sugar Sugar Bowls. Did anybody catch the reaction to the Michigan uh, team finding out that they were going to have yes. to play Alabama in the, in the room? Not not a rousing, uh, you know, not a not a confidence inspiring reaction out of the boys in maize and blue. That's for sure. So, yeah, 
Uh, I, I looked up uh, one app for an Alabama money line, couldn't find it posted yet, but I'm going to have to revisit. <laughs> we may need to do a little bit of digging. Washington, Texas, I think has potential to be super fun as well. Um, Washington, like being able to spend the next few weeks getting healthy and Texas get, letting the next few weeks, letting Sark get in his bag. Like we had two teams that play like take it to you football in that game. And that's going to be really fun. Like, yeah, yeah. You guess. guys want to? You guys want to guess some lines? So, yeah. The the one unconfirmed number I did see on an Instagram post for Michigan was minus two and a half for the Wolverines. Mm. I think that I would. Op- I think it would have. I would have thought it would have opened at like Alabama minus one. So the the line has since shrunk from two and a half to Michigan minus one and a half. Hmm. Okay. Oh. I believe Bama I. Line. Here I come. I believe Bama. I have already invested on the Bama money line. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna probably join you guys on that um, one. Texas, Washington. Um, Texas. This is an interesting one. Texas, five and a half. I'm gonna say Texas two and a half. Right in the middle, four and a half. Okay. Over under of sixty four. Over. Over. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm actually tempted to let the public push that up and then hit the, yeah. hit the under. Yeah, that's a smart move. Ooh, we have, ooh, wow. Shout out to DraftKings. You can already bet on uh, theoretical spreads. Huh? <laughs> oh, that's fair. That. Yeah, as well you should. Um, you can tree bet on theoretical I have, spreads. I have theoretical spreads for the national championship game. Yeah. Um, some of these are pretty fun. Not a lot of confidence in Washington on these. They would be Getting Nobody's never believed in the Huskies like we have. Yeah. Washington getting six and a half against Oregon, Michigan. Minus nine and a half That's on good. Friday night. <laughs> yeah. We believe really in Washington. <laughs> Anyways, I think the playoff is going to be very, very fun. I'm very excited about it. So the Hard Rock Sports app has the Alabama-Michigan line down to Michigan minus 0.5. Wow. We'll bleep that one, too. Well, that's playoff talk. Now, I think since we mentioned multiples, we can... Uh, we can okay, let it ride. It out. Yeah, that's we fair. What does ESPN bet have it at? Someone someone have that? Yeah, the ESPN sports book? It out. I do not have that one yet. <laughs> All right, coaching carousel. We want to go there? Yeah, let's go there. We must. Some... Hold on, I'm placing a, a, a quick unit play on Alabama plus 0.5. Just, just real quick. <laughs> All right, we're good. A we're, five unit we're, stone cold lead pipe lock double, of the century. The double hammer. I'm playing the double hammer. Like that guy Gordo. SVP's guy Gordo that comes on and gives golf like the worst golf picks of all time. And he like is like talking about the he plays the double hammer every time. He was grinding through like a Xander Shoffley T twenty at like the US Open or Those something. Are always the sweatiest. This guy's like hunched over. Somehow he got inside the ropes and he's like in physical pain watching Xander Shoffley. But yeah, great times. Love SVP. All right. The coaching carousel continues to spin, and we have big personal news for the podcast. We'll get to that in just a sec. Houston has made a hire. Willie Fritz, your Tulane Green Wave head coach, uh, an older gentleman, uh, taking his talents to Houston, um, keeping it somewhat in the area. I think that's a really great hire at Houston. Yep. He's yep. going he's gonna to win. He's a good coach, uh, a program builder, if you will, and I think he'll probably set up um, whoever the next coach is for success. Or, you know, I don't know. These guys only last for like three or four years anyway. Maybe he'll coach for three or four more years. So, and then get fired. But uh, Boise State also 
won won their conference, the Mountain West Conference, we oh. should say. Uh, so shout out to them under interim after coach. Firing their after coach. firing their head coach, uh, interim head coach Spencer Danielson, defensive coordinator. Um, I wonder if he's related to Gary. Uh, is is the new head coach? He got the promotion. I think they went three and zero under Coach Spencer and uh, made the conference championship game and then won it. Um, but shout out to UNLV for having like probably the best year they've had in forever uh, and making it to that game as well. So, um, so those are, those are two big ones. And then the other big one, obviously we talked about it briefly at the top of the inning, but uh, Indiana makes a hire coach, Kurt Signetti from your JMU Dukes stand up Duke nation. Um, Jason was on it. He, he was tracking the tail number of the Learjet that made its way from Bloomington to SVA or whatever it's called. And, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, um, she'd, uh, and it's Kurt Signetti. Uh, yeah. So already making some splashes, some spicy talk from coach Kurt. He's got he's got the big bags now, and he's 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 talking. He's putting his he's he's woofing, which I like to see, um, yeah. hyping the fans up. Uh, Jason, what's the temperature in the room of the Dukes? I mean, you kind of had to think that success at this level breeds yeah. these kind of things. Yeah, I think this was. I'll I'll give you the. Uh, I don't know if I should do the irrational take or the rational take first, but uh, hmm. I'll go with the irrational. JMU Nation at large is uh, has had a difficult four days. Um, really, kind of a lot of panic, a lot of you know accusing people of evil, a lot of college sports is dead forever, the usual stuff. Um, and this is, to be fair, their first experience with being a group of five coach that gets picked off, um, and the the chaos in the during the schedule of bowl games and whatnot. Um, but I think, uh, you know, most of the rational JMU fans are like, you know, this was always going to happen. And, right. you know, it's happened. This is the third coach in a row that we've had hired away. Um, turns out we've still been pretty good at football after those coaches leave. Interestingly, uh, neither coach that has left has done very well. Everywhere there's uh, super fired at Texas State. Mike Houston Extreme. surviving, sur- surviving at East Carolina, but had it to appear- sacrifice the OC. It would appear that East Carolina has like some significant uh, financial issues. Very much so. Um, But also, you know, you're welcome to scheme it up there, Coach Houston. I don't know. You're welcome to lock the damn gate, you know? Who's to say? Um, So anyways, I think think most of the reasonable people are nonetheless bummed, both because, you know, we lost a very good football coach. And, you know, if we lose him to, to, I don't even know, like Duke, UNC, West Virginia, Pitt, that that seems a little reasonable. I think Indiana stung some folks. Um, I think sure. you know, losing losing him to uh, a, a, a program school. that a basketball school and and a program that like objectively, if he finishes above seventh in the Big Ten starting next year, it's like Big Ten Coach of the Year kind of performance. Um, he's going to a league that is going to have. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon, Washington, USC, uh, uh, Iowa. Like it, this is, it, it, I don't. I mean, it's it's a, it's the same it's the same fun. historical yeah. pecking order as Duke is in the ACC, though. It just comes with a bigger paycheck. And I think there's I think there's some jelly in the middle in the ACC. Yeah, I think there's some jelly in the and middle of the ACC like that the Big Ten doesn't have. 
Yeah, yeah but like I think I, I may have gotten into. A I get where you're coming from. I, I may have gotten into a spirited back and forth on the on the email account uh, regarding oh, right. this and did a little digging in. Um, David Cutcliffe only had five winning seasons. Period in his 13 years there. Uh, there's only two coaches that have ever left Duke for better situations. Steve Spurrier, you may have heard of him, mm-hmm. and Mike Elko, who was there for two years. Um, like the historical like precedent at Duke is like four and eight, and that's factoring in the good seasons, right? So like I don't, I think you're right. There is definitely more like general ACC shenaniganery that happens, but like I do think that like from the standpoint of yeah. pecking order in the conference, they're about the same, and like Indiana's demonstrated recently that's- and in general that they can pay a lot more. And they, I do not know the details of the contract, so I will not speak on them publicly, but the numbers that are being tossed around are significant. And from, uh, from a couple digits. reports. Love that. That's right. From, uh, from, Hell yes. <laughs> uh, from, from multiple reports, basically, uh, Indiana came in with an offer. JMU uh, responded with a counteroffer that did not match Indiana, but it was enough sure. that Signetti turned Indiana down. And then Indiana came back with... Uh, a significantly higher offer, and that was that. And hey, that's how you play the game, right? Shout out to the agent. Congrats to Kurt's agent. Yeah, yeah geez, that's right. man. Happy Christmas for our boy. Um, so, anyways, is it Jimmy uh, Sexton. I don't. I don't actually know who his agent is. Um, I should probably know that by now. But, anyways, uh, t- tough for JMU and general chaos and the bowl game coming up, and we were obviously immediately hit with the the usual. I think there's. 12 starters in the portal right now which is a pretty significant bummer um but uh, you know what it's part of the deal and you know i i think this is when so i think there was this is kind of getting existential but i think when when jamie moved up to fbs there were a lot of people that were like hey fbs is hunter and then we were obviously immediately hugely successful and uh that quite a lot of people but this is one of the ways in which it is much harder like there are a lot more just more hurdles to clear to maintain being an fbs power than there was maintaining being an fcs power and this is one of them and success gets this and and um you know we'll take the 1.5 million that indiana had to give us and we'll spend a little more on the next coach and that's how you build a program and that's how you keep taking steps forward and it's not a straight line like if if enough people transfer out and we can't recover, we might win. You know, it might be a four or five win season for JMU. And then we're going to find out who actually loves JMU football or who loves just winning a whole lot of games. And right. I have to get super dabbo on them. But, like, that's that's part of being a mid-major. Like, every once in a while. wagon's gotten a little crowded. That's right. And so every once in a while, stuff gets hard. <laughs> and this is one of those times. Tyler. Um, Jamie, I, I'm just – I'm looking here. It looks like he's bringing – the offensive and defensive coordinator with him and um jamie quarterbacks coach tino sensori there's a name there's right. a name i mean yeah. holy moly jamie quarterback coach he's just been he's out been here on the sideline for a couple years now on the loose in hberg that's awesome yeah. um so neither of those guys i guess would be candidates for the job no um i i don't know that they were i, I would guess bryant haynes the defensive coordinator very well regarded um was yeah. one of the only couple mid-major coaches on the, Bro- the Broyles award list um, obviously did an outstanding job this year. Uh, he might have been a candidate, and I don't know what the sequence of events were in terms of whether Signetti was going to take him first. And then we said this, but uh, Jeff Bourne said in the press conference that, and and to be fair, this is what he's done in the past, so I have no reason to think he just made this up. But he said he would probably be looking for somebody with head coaching experience. 
Um, and so, yeah. Hmm. Could I interest you in a lightly used Will Muschamp? Just come uh, in there. You may not keep things on the rails. That would be God. That maybe would be that would be the first step in this entire process. You know, maybe you should just go year long impressive. interim, and then Billy Napier can restart the Sunbelt vibes uh, in Harrisonburg you next uh, in twenty twenty five. That Buzzcut will play yeah. well with the Mennonites. Believe me. Yeah, that'll be great. He's a simple man. Um, he loves his family. Anyways, and the Lord. I, I think, and and pre, I think pre snap be, motion. Jesus, shut up about Billy Napier. God. <laughs> Always about Billy. <laughs> Um, I couldn't get to. Oh yeah, it's it'll be an interesting couple of weeks for the Dukes. We'll say, that. of course. Yeah. So, uh, is Kurt coaching the bowl game, Jason? So it, it was that that part has been some of the weirdest part because um, I've heard that, I've heard some things from some sources that I, have been I, interesting. I believe it's. Uh, I look forward to hearing what you have heard, but I believe it is official now that he will not be. Um, okay. He said uh, he said at the start he wanted to, and uh, Jeff Bourne said at the start that he was going to, and then, like, literally the next day he went on the Big Ten Network and said, I'm 90% committed to Indiana. And I was like, okay, well, that's not a great – it's not super awesome to hear when you said you wanted to coach our bowl game, but I understand why you have to do it. Um, so, like, it's one of those things that, like, it was never going to work. And with Kurt Signetti's personality, it was extremely never going to work. And so – uh, no, the the offensive line coach um, for JMU will be – he was the assistant head coach, so he's the interim for the bowl game. Okay. Yeah, so I had heard that uh, some players found out that he was leaving via Twitter while in class, and they yep. stormed out, uh, understandably upset. Um, I heard that uh, there was a practice, a bowl game practice – that experienced a significant walkout of players after the team meeting and practice was summarily summarily canceled shortly thereafter mm. um and there was talk that uh he he was originally not going to coach the bowl game but then was going to but it sounds like he's not again maybe the so, vibes maybe the vibes are not appropriate to to coach the bowl game to i have i have not I have not heard any of those reports. I would be 0% surprised. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, when you think about it, like, weird, it's just a weird thing to commit to, like, right off the bat. Um, yeah. And so, like, I, let's just, let's move on. Let's just, it's time. And so that's fine. Yeah, if like, you I don't want to be here, don't be here. Yeah. And I I do know that, that Robo, the, the offensive, first of all, his nickname is Robo. His last name is, like, Robowski or Robolowski. Um, but they all... The offensive line coach is very well liked, um, very well respected in the locker room. So, um, well, that helps. So yeah, I think <laughs> that, that that situation I'm less concerned with. But um, yeah, I I do believe that some people found out on Twitter. But yeah, it, sometimes that always happens, and especially given the personalities involved, that doesn't shock me. Yeah, this day and age, and all yep. that. Gotta love agents. Um, hmm. So, anyways, I have no idea who we're going to hire there are some well who's on your personal hot list fascinating the top three yeah let's hear it oh gosh um just i could i could make you super uncomfortable with terrible suggestions all day you know this so yes i do know this so i'm going to try to head that (laughs) off the pass um there was early talk of holgerson there was early talk of rich rod um i honestly if rich rod didn't if rich rod didn't have the baggage he had i wouldn't mind him um he's 
I think he's a great football coach. He just, you know, well, isn't Holgerson basically just Rich Rod with slightly less baggage? I think it's a different kind of. Th- to be fair, Holgerson has a different baggage, brand but, of baggage. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Louis and <laughs> his so, bags right, of yeah. Louis. <laughs> that's a couple. <laughs> that's a couple of very fun, mildly problematic choices. Um, Love that. <laughs> Love that description. The 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 hipster choice is uh, Bob Chesney, who is Holy Cross's head coach, oh, um, and has done for that one. has done excellent things there. I uh, wouldn't mind him. Uh, the other, I believe, Greg Medea, shouts out former Daily News record writer, now Daily Progress. You guys are familiar with his work. Um, still has some sources kicking around, and said that uh, Rutgers defensive coordinator Joe Harrisonmayek or something like that is involved uh and rutgers dc doesn't you know scream awesome but he was also he's very well liked in harrisonburg he was uh maine's head coach or defensive coordinator or something when i think he was the head coach when he basically like single-handedly dragged maine into relevance uh at the fcs level and left for uh, i think a different job because i frankly don't blame anybody for leaving the Maine football program that seems like a miserable place to coach but um he is another hipster coach or hipster choice that I would not mind at all. Um, I've seen some some former you, players. Jason, can I ask a question? Do you think like as as JMU as a program based on recent uh, pops that they've had uh, in in you know and the the cultural zeitgeist of college football? Like, are they like is Rich Rod or Dana like actually realistic, or is that sort of like? It, it could fit based on if those guys really wanted to coach and they wanted to move. Like, you know, it was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think yeah. we, like, Virginia is basketball or was, was going to hire Tubby Smith, happened. right? And it's like, looking yeah. back at that, like, Tubby Smith probably was not going to go coach UVA's basketball Rick Barnes team. was the other one. Yeah, sure, Rick yeah. Barnes. Right. I mean, uh, Mark so, Richt was the football coach. Remember, he was interviewing in town. We yeah, all heard about that. Right. Like, that was the thing. It's like, you know, is that actually realistic or – I think it's I think it's less realistic than most other people would. I I have okay. also like I have been working there during other head coaching searches, both men's basketball and football, yeah. and and we've Not gotten correct. those names too of like, oh yeah, that guy. And I don't, and you know, for for better or worse, and I think with with football, definitely more for better. Um, like winning the press conference and making the big splash hire and that sort of thing has never been huge on you know, the priority list. Like we, Everett Withers was honestly a bigger splash than either Mike Houston or Kersignetti. Like we got Mike Houston from the Citadel and we got Kersignetti from Elon. And like, you know, I, I think, I think to Jeff Bourne's credit, he has done a great job of like, I don't care how many headlines this gets me. I'm going to find a good coach. And he's done. Well, a, I'm sure, he's, he has, a really yeah, I'm sure he's any good, like AD has a kind of a, a working list too, that they right. like, you know, they probably one in the drawer. You know, I doubt you're, I doubt you're just, uh, you know, going to call up Dana Holgerson and be like, Hey, Fire brother. Right. But uh, exactly. at the same time, like that, would that be kind of sick for sure? You know, why not? Yeah. You know, hilarious. But I, I do think it's more, it's, there's a much higher chance of us, uh, going with Harris Mayak or, um, or Chesney than there is of of a like big name land the guy sort of Chesney hype. was getting some love for like you know like I would have wouldn't have not have been surprised to hear him land at like Syracuse you know or something I believe like that. he was in the but, running for that one yeah but um Syracuse apparently hired uh Texas A&M's defensive line coach who was like their ace recruiter um to be their DC uh so 
you hate to see that for Texas A&M. Uh, final question from me on the JMU search. Uh, can we get a clarification on Jeff Bourne's timeline as the AD? Yeah. Isn't so, he stepping down? Yeah, so it, it's currently he is set to retire. Um, I guess technical last day is like June 1 or July 1, whenever the fiscal year flips, whenever the contract ends. Okay. Um, but I... I have heard mixed reports on the like actual timeline for the new hire and Jeff Jeff Bourne has said to me personally, like when the new hire gets here, that's when I'm stepping back. Like I'm not, I am going to be, you know, deservedly sitting on the lake down at Lake Norman. And um, so I guess I'm just curious, like, does, does the uncertainty of, I don't necessarily know who my AD is going to be and I'm stepping into a new AD. Is that expected to, maybe impact the list of candidates available i'm sure it does in some fashion um i think there's i think that impacts it a little less than another factor that i will say i I have heard will affect it but i think it affects it less because i think most you know football coaches have a lot of i am simply built different in them and they're just like oh no i'll i'll get them on my side i'll I'll beat them with wins i feel like like that that usually matters like when it comes around to firing time more it's like well you know that's ad didn't hire him so you know he's not his guy so it's like i feel like those lines always get connected more so like retroactively than they do on the front end but i do think that like there are situations in which in for better or worse the ad and the football coach are inextricably linked and like You know, maybe JMU is not on like an SEC football program, but you know, you probably can't blow it. Well, there was there was a lot made of uh, we're using the same search firm for the AD hire and the coach hire, and every and like multiple people were like, "That's a great move. They're going to get a pairing." I'm just like, "Nah, man, this is like six months apart. Like that, I don't, I don't think that's correct." the The issue that I have heard about is that there are some there are some significant negotiations regarding buyouts. I think, you know, I think most coaches coming in here will understandably see JMU as like, if I win at JMU, I can get a big, you know, a big payday like a couple of people have. And like, that's just part of it. And I understand what they're saying and, and makes complete sense. But um, I think there's been some pushback on like, I think Jeff Bourne correctly wants to make sure JMU gets paid if a power five school swoops in and like, we need a couple million to pay our next guy. And And so I think there's been some, some nodding back and forth with that um but i don't know i'm not in the room who's to say sure i do i think there are a couple good names i i think uh, you know it it sounds weird but i think jmu's probably one of the six or seven best group of five jobs in the country already um like if we're being honest with ourselves just in terms of budget and you know, if you win in the Sun Belt, you will get a Power Five job. Like that's just a fact. And yeah, I mean, clearly, awesome. like I said, clearly exposure, not a and... four season resort. Um, yeah, clearly exposure is there too. Like from a from the standpoint, like Jamie has some like as good a brand of any team in the Sun Belt probably has right now that isn't like App State was at some point or something like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you know, to to that level of. Uh, like, oh, yeah, they've been on game day three times, right? That that looks like a good place to go to college. That, like, you know, they, you know, always lose their football game when they're on game day. It's crazy. So it's like, you know, people probably remember that, right? I can so, fix them. <laughs> I can. <laughs> I am built different. No. Uh, well, keep us we'll keep us posted if we need to do some yeah. sort of, you know, emergency gather around the fire pod when uh, big Bill Muschamp swaggers into town. Then, you know, 
when the purple can... smoke rises from Dave's Taverna <laughs> on the top of Port Republic Road. Oh, some uh, some news across the wire, uh, semi-related. Former Old Dominion head coach Bobby Wilder is the new coach at FCS Tennessee Tech. Oh, I'm happy know, to be re- relevant to this podcast. I was looking up what he was doing the other day, actually. Now we know. know. Tennessee Tech. That's awesome. Good for Bobby. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think we beat this up enough. You guys good uh, with anything else? Oh, I mean, I guess just real quick, the open jobs currently as we sit based on my list, pre-recording, JMU, Tulane, and Nevada. Nevada. Uh, oh, well, I mean, there's a bunch of others, but those are the additional new ones. Middle Tennessee State, Duke, UTEP, Louisiana Monroe, and New Mexico also ran out that group. Terry Bowden, back on the market, Jason. He's a Ugh. experienced football coach from a legacy a family. I also did forget to relay uh, one of the funnier stories um, from from JMU Nation's first bout with flight tracker season, which was uh, early oh, yeah. in the process, and I'm not entirely sure if they are still candidates, but... Uh, Defensive coordinator for Penn State, Manny Diaz, uh, and the what co-defensive coordinator or his like number two or something. I forget his name now. This is all pointless. Um, but they were they were considered candidates for the job, and a a private plane left from State College and landed at Genoa Valley Regional Airport and stayed there for like two and a half days, and everybody was going nuts. And then it turned out uh, when that plane James left, Franklin was, is he going to do it? Yeah. When when that plane left, it turned out it was a softball. A high school softball player and her dad coming to a camp. So, I wonder what kind of holding fee SHD yeah. charges for PJs. Yeah. Kind of hanger, but um. Anyways, so good times. Flight track is easy. I love it. Love it so much. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess we maybe will have. I'm, I'm kind of holding out just like four percent hope that maybe we could have some action with Michigan based on how things go over the next like few months. They could have like a, a late, a late in the cycle, yeah. terrible situation for them. I think Sharon Moore is probably just going to would become the head coach if that actually happened. Like, and they would maybe do the extended David Braun style uh, interim thing. But you know, the coverage of the Jim Harbaugh like buffoonery is very bizarre to me. Like, they just are like, yeah, you know, he's back, and uh, they, he was away from the team, and like we don't talk about anything. We don't talk about anything anymore. He missed six games this year for various suspensions. He's still under active investigation. There's still an active, like, big time investigation going on at the NCAA that, like, clearly is going to uncover some stuff that, like, people are making it seem like he's probably going to be suspended at minimum to start next year. Like, it's all just very weird to me. So uh, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that one, too. But that one could upset the apple cart a little bit as well. Maybe Ryan Day goes to Michigan. So, um, anyhow, the world all right. Would break. That'd be so funny. That's all. That's all we got. Let's go ahead and land this plane. Thank you. Let's land this plane at SHD, if you will. Uh, thank you for joining oh, us on, shit. on on the Wheel Wrap Podcast. You know where to find us. Wheelwrappodcast at gmail.com is the Gmail. You can go to thewheelroute.com. That's the website. You can stream the show there. You can review the picks tracker there and you can see pictures of our beautiful faces there until we meet again we love you guys go gators go who's go dukes <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>